Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. Simon Head here from Rochester in the UK, bringing you a bonus episode of our little podcast that we like to put out every week. Bonus content for you. It is a Bellator fight week. Bellator 250 going down Thursday night. Douglas Lima, Gagob Masasi for all the marbles at £185. Former middleweight champion Masasi looking to get the belt back. Welterweight champion Douglas Lima looking to become a two-belt champion, a Bellator champ champ. That one goes down Thursday night. You can get that live from midnight on Sky Sports Thursday night here in the UK. But this is the Brit Pack, so I thought I wanted to catch up with one of the British contingent, so I thought I'd better call Saul. That's right, Saul the Hangman Rogers picked up a huge win at Bellator Paris. He was the co-main event against Arby Mezadov, coming off a defeat to Daniel Weichel. Um, in the Bellator Featherweight Grand Prix. I know Saul was very disappointed with how that turned out. Really wanted to bounce back and make a statement, and he did just that first round rear naked choke finish. Dominant performance, and uh, he got to share a little bit of good news with me during the course of this phone call with regards to his contract situation with Bellator MMA. So I'll let him break that news as we go along. Here's my chat with the hangman, Saul Rogers. All right, joining me right now is Bellator featherweight Saul Rogers, who picked up a huge win in the co-main event of Bellator Paris or Bellator Europe 10. It's been a while since we've seen him. It's been a while since we've chatted. Saul, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. Nice one for taking the time to uh, speak to me. First off, you, you're competing in Paris during a pandemic. This wasn't your usual fight week. Um, so, you know, you've competed all over the world and, and uh, had some... had plenty of experiences over the years but how did this fight week rank and 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 how was the whole experience for you man honestly this fight week has been the maddest week i've ever had fight week competing in mixed martial arts i mean i fought all over the world america japan the lot but this is by far the it was the strangest also i had one of my corners test positive for covid so i so because when 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 we when we get over to um Paris you get um you basically everyone's put in individual rooms and then you have to quarantine and stuff like that and have your your, your covid tests and stuff and because um well what what one I don't I don't know if he tested or, or something was on it on, on a result so they had to send him home out to fly out new corners all that other kind of stuff you know so you kind of dodged a bullet a little bit because I know I know sometimes, depending on how close it is to the fight and everything, if one of your team tests positive and you're all in a little bubble together, that's you. That's you screwed. Then you're you're kind no, of off the card. They, so they kept, they kept us all separate. That was that 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 was my that was my saving grace because we did they, they set they sent us all out separately. So when we get there, you you don't you don't kind of spend any time with each other. Do you get what I mean? That's interesting because I know um, yeah. I've seen events before where. You know, you quite often see fighters from the same team are booked on on onto one card, just because it's easy yeah. for travel and everything. But then they're all they're all in a bubble, and then one person within that team can test positive, and that sort of takes all those fighters out of the yeah. equation, doesn't it? So and oh, that's what I was fucking worried about. Well, we're supposed to, we're saying that I've had two COVID tests while I was there, and they both come back negative. So it's, it can't be an issue. But it, they said to me, if I would have shared a room with them, my fight would have been off because. Because my my other corner mate, he tested positive, he tested negative. There's nothing wrong with him, but because he'd been in close proximity with him and they shared a room together, then he had to leave too. 
So how did how did all of that work for Fight Week then? So you you, you had you had your corner team came over. They were obviously yeah. separate to you when they came over. They tested positive on arrival, and then that meant you didn't have access to to all of your regular corner team. So what happened then? Did the call the call go well, out to someone the, a bit I'm more local? Well, well, I get there on the Monday. You you have your um, you have your checks and stuff like that, and I can't see anybody, let alone my corner team. Like you're not allowed to leave your room until your test result comes back and it shows that you're negative. Do you get what I mean? So then, so then it's whole 24 hours later. I've been locked in this room. They send the food up and all that other kind of stuff. It's kind of like being like on tough, to be fair. And um, they, they, they send all that your food up and stuff. Then they told me I'm positive, but. One of my corners not, so I didn't even get to say bye. I didn't even get to see my corner. They, they flew them out separate. So then it's then Tuesday evening. I'm thinking, fucking hell, what am I going to do for my corner? So then I'm trying to sort another two corner team out, which I managed to do. But then they could only fly out the next day, which was Wednesday. Then they had to self-isolate for 24 hours before I could see them. So it was like Thursday evening before I seen anybody. So, so does this just mean that you would you were basically shadow boxing yourself in the room? Is this as as much as much loosening up as you could do during the week? Literally, yeah. So I I, I used to do like five five shadow boxing, kind of lively sprawling all that other stuff in, in, in my room, and and they allowed you to go out to the well the. They had a training area at the arena, but the thing is, because I have no pad man, no nothing, it was pointless me going. And what one of the days, Ross Houston, I know, I know Ross was over there, so I managed to jump on a bit of a training session with him, and he let me use one of his bodies, and I had a little move around with him. So luckily, that was like a bit of a saving grace for me. But apart from that, I'm just sat in my bedroom, shadow boxing and stretching the whole week until my new corner was clear, um, tested negative, and they was all clear to um, come and see me and stuff and do my weight cut. So had you had you been over to the states at any point to prepare, or was or was all your training for this uh, back home? In yeah, the UK? no, all, all of it was here. With all the madness, what, what's going on at the minute? Like I, um, I did, I didn't get a chance to go over to the states, so it, it was all here, and I didn't even have long to prepare for the fight. To be honest, but to be fair, I, I enjoyed the camp here. Um, I, I enjoyed kind of. It was only short, so I could tailor it around kind of my strength and my styles and stuff like that, and. And yeah, I feel I feel like for, for this guy, I went back to my old roots, you know. It seemed to pay off. It seemed to pay off. I mean, it seemed. I know you sort of spoke uh, before the fight and and especially after the fight about how the you know the Saul Rogers who was in there with with, with Daniel Veitchel in the tournament that it wasn't really the real you, and you seem to yeah. you seem to get your mojo back a little bit, even though you've had all these. It's a very bizarre set of circumstances having to train. Uh, at home, away from you know the uh, the regular guys in in Florida, and then having to come to uh, to Paris, losing your corner team before you could even even uh, pull on some pull on some training mitts and have a have a pad session, getting a new corner and then fight and to, then to deliver a performance like that, that must have been that must have been a real buzz for you, not just to get the win because obviously I know that was important, but to have gone yeah. through all of that drama and then produce a performance like that. You know what? Hundred percent. And there was times, don't get me wrong, when they sent the corner home, and I was I was absolutely starving. I'd been locked in a room on my own for days. I was thinking, fucking hell, I wish I would have been sharing the room with him, and then I would have just been home now. You know, instead of having all this stress and headache, thinking, who am I going to cut with? That that was the biggest thing as well, because you you know I'm not I'm not a small featherweight. I I cut weight, so it's like I was thinking, 
what happens if my new corner don't get like get get cleared? Like, how am I going to do my weight cut and make weight and all that other all that other stress is going through your head? And then you're thinking, I've got no one to hit mitts with. And then you're thinking, ah, oh, am I am I going to be fit? Like, like your fitness is going to go anywhere in a couple of days? Or you're thinking, am I going to be fit? Am I going to be sharp? Am I this? You know, because you, you're just basically locked in a room with your own thoughts for days, and then you're getting you're getting pulled out to have these swabs put up your nose, and it it, it was just. It was more different than anything I've ever done, to say the least, you know. But on top of all that, I've done, I, I, I like you say, I went through all of that and, and still pulled out a dominant first-round finish against a guy who's never been submitted and a highly-ranked guy, you know. It's, it stands kind of testament to my character, you know. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to ask you, you know, you say you, you sort of, sort of stuck, in, stuck in the room for all that time and you didn't have your corner team around either, so you were... Proper Billy No Mates stuck up there. So what were you doing? What were you doing to fill the time? Did you had you brought stuff with you? Did you bring a PlayStation with you? What were you do, What were you physically doing in the room for all that time? I brought I brought a laptop. Luckily, I brought my laptop last minute, and um, all I was doing is sitting there watching cooking programs. Literally cooking. I don't I don't I don't know why. When it comes to fight week, I just watch cooking. I actually applied for um, couples come dine with me. For me, my missus, I was at the, I was watching the whole come down with me season one to whatever they've got. Then I was started watching the couples ones because they run out of come down with me, and I thought, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm gonna reply for that. that. That's how bored I was. So I, I applied for um, couples come down with me. That 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 was like the highlight of my my isolation week. You did that during fight week. You started applying for cooking shows. I did. I did that on the Wednesday. I think it was. That's hilarious. That's brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I have to admit, I, I I can't cook at all. Like I've I got given a pasta maker for my birthday. I'm trying to work out how to make pasta. But <laughs> yeah. but but we're addicted to MasterChef Australia. That that that's the show. MasterChef is Australia that the one? is Yeah, if you've got um if you've got Amazon Prime, uh yeah. I think they've got all of all of the se- there's something like ten seasons or eleven seasons of it. It's really good. It is really good. Um, if you like your cooking shows, that's what you need to. That's what you need to jump on. Right, that's the one then. That that that's the next for me, mate. You'll be seeing me applying, mate. I can't. I wouldn't even think about applying for Master Chef. My cooking's not the best. I'm mate. My missus is not too bad though. She, she'll be whipping up all the meals. But yeah, every time I fight and it gets to that fight week and I got time, I just want to sit and watch cooking programs. I don't know why, because I'm absolutely starving in the week as well. Yeah, that's like that's like self torture, isn't it? You know, you're trying to trying to drop weight and steer clear of all the naughty stuff during the week and you're sitting there watching people sort of whizzing up all this nice food. Yeah, you know what it is, right? I sit there watching it and like, I'm saying to myself, right, as soon as my fight's done, I'm cooking this, I'm cooking this. I, I, I write big lists on my phone or everything I'm going to cook. And then I'll I, 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 I win my fight, eat a bit of shit and I'll just be like, right, now nah, I'll just go back to salmon rice and, and veg. <laughs> Do nothing. So what's the cheat meal then or the celebration meal? You get your win... And then, if all bets are off and you've got access to everything, what's 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 the meal? What do you go with? What did I go with last? It's it's usually pizza, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's usually pizza, but I, I'm more of the uh, the desserts and the cookies and the brownies and all that other kind of stuff. I, I've had like three days of absolutely indulging and, and then I woke up and I'm just like, right, enough's enough now. Like, get to the point, like, I, I don't even want to I, I, I think I deny myself for that long because I don't eat it in the camp and then 
I'll have three days of absolutely. If you if you knew some of the stuff I ate, like I'm talking fucking four bars of chocolate, brownies, fucking donuts, everything. I'll just lie there holding my stomach thinking, why have I done that? And then and, and now I go back to normal. Just lay there and start hating yourself for a bit. and then Yeah. <laughs> you're the worst, you know. Oh, dear. Disgusting. <laughs> right. One question I wanted to ask you, um, watching back some of the, some of the zooms and stuff from, uh, from fight week, you've gone back to the old nickname. You've gone back to the hangman. Saw business lasted for like one fight. What's, what's, what's the deal there? You know what? I think saw business was like two fights. Yeah. Right. And then in them two fights, I didn't get no finish. I didn't get no strangles. And that hangman stuff, I got given the nickname the hangman when I was um I just started out, I'd not even had an amateur fight. And um I just started training and I was a big guy back then, like well I used to have to cut to get to welterweight for my first amateur fight. I walked in the gym, I think I was fifteen and a half stone, something like that. All I'd done is pump weights in school and I knew nothing apart from like I was I was a scrapper and I loved the I loved the turf, I loved the fight, but I knew no submissions, so when people shot in for me I just pulled the head off with a guillotine and I'm talking like I must have had some serious strength because I was tapping decent guys and I had, I had absolutely no clue what I was doing. So then I'd start going to the um, inter-club tournaments and uh, the BJJ tournaments as, as obviously a, an absolute beginner and I'd win gold every single tournament just pulling everyone's head off with guillotines. So um, one of my coaches gave me the nickname The Hangman because I'm always choking people out and then it kind of stuck. And then when I was the hangman, that was it. I used to go in there with the objective of taking someone out. You know what I mean? First round. Like, if you look at my my finishes, I've got nine first round finishes. I should even have more because the tough fights are not on my record. But, you know, they're professional fights as well. Not even including my, not even including my amateur. So, we're, if we're talking pro, I've probably got 10, 11 first round finishes. Amateur, I drew my first fight. And then, and then bar two decisions... Seven of them was first round chokes. I'm, I, if, if I take someone out, if, if I take someone out, which I do most of the time, it's always first round, never second, never third. It's always a first round strangle. Yeah, yeah, and that's 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 what it was in France against uh, RB Mesedov. I mean, you both, in terms of in terms of the numbers on a sheet of paper, you both had thirteen and three records going in, but uh, you yeah. you went in there and bossed it on fight night. And as you said afterwards, that you felt like you felt like that was the real. That was the real Saul Rogers, and we didn't see the real Saul Rogers uh, last time out at Bellator 228 against Daniel Veitchel. What what was missing back then? You know, I know I spoke to you going in, and you were absolutely amped for that, and you were going in, and you were all set to, you know, uh, make a real make a real impact. And the fight seemed to be going pretty well, and it it from from watching it, it looked like you almost. You almost sort of fought Daniel Veitchel's fight a little bit and uh, let him let him sort of get a foothold with the striking, and that 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 in the end is probably what cost you on the scorecards. But I mean, looking back at, at that and how you approached that, and you know the mindset and everything, what's changed between the Saul Rogers that fought Daniel Veitchel and the Saul Rogers that I'm talking to now, coming off that win in Paris? Mate, everything you said, the hundred percent bang on. Like I fought Daniel Veitchel's fight, and. I thought my mindset was strong, but like looking looking back to then and looking to now, I'm I'm in a a hundred percent different mindset. And I mean, speaking to somebody and kind of telling them what they want to hear and yeah, I feel amazing and this and this and this is easier. But like that feeling 
is different. Do you get what I mean? So like every fight, yeah, I feel good. I feel this. I'm going to do this. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I had such an amazing camp over in America. I, I, I couldn't help but be sharp and, and, and be on point. But my mindset, it, it, wasn't the, it wasn't the mindset that I'm sat with now, you know. Like, the mindset now is like a world champion mindset. I, I 100% hand on heart believe I'm the best featherweight in that division. Like, there's not a doubt in my mind. Like, and, and whereas before, is like, I'd say that, but the conviction weren't, weren't quite the same. Do you know what I mean? It weren't, the belief weren't quite the same. It'd be like, oh, well, in my head, it'd be like, oh, well, what if you fought this guy? What is it? Like, honestly, the way I'm feeling at this moment in time is like, it's in, inevitable that I'm going to get that belt. And that's what I said to my partner now. Like, I changed a lot of stuff in my private life. Like, my training's always been amazing, but I've had a few issues in my private life that kind of hold me back or take away from that mental aspect. And I fully sorted every single one of them out i got myself a nice home now for me and my children things are going well with uh, my partner every, every, every financially the whole any any issue that was an issue or something in the back of my mind in the past is gone so now i'm fighting completely free and i, I was saying to her i was saying to her um, not even a month ago or two months ago i was saying i want to be world champion now and, I, and i've said it a lot of times in the past but i've said it because people wanted to hear that from me People want to say, oh, you want the belt, you want the... And really, I didn't really give a shit, but, like, I don't know what it was. I woke up in the morning and I just felt it in my soul and I was just like, no, I want that belt. And ever since I've said that, everything's kind of been coming into fruition to guide me towards that. I've signed a new contract with Bellator, amazing contract, to, be, to, um, to say the least. And, and everything that's happening now is, like, going towards what I've truly put my mind to, which is being world champion. And I've no doubt in my mind that's what I'm going to achieve. Well, that's really good to hear that, you know, whatever it was that was uh, was giving you sort of stresses in the background that all, all of that sort of stuff is being taken care of because, you know, the fighting career will come and go, but everything, yeah. you know, all the other stuff, sometimes that's that, that that's lifelong stuff you have to sort out sometimes. So uh, the fact that the fact that you've got all that, all of that squared away is, is good news uh, and good news about the contract as well. I mean, is it how, how many fights have you got? Um, it's going to be a six-fight deal, this one. So is that including the one you've just had, or have you got six more after that one? No, this this is a new one, this now. To, to, to that contract there, what I've just signed there is like, I'm, I'm buzzing, do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy now. And like I said, then everything I've, I've kind of been saying and, and wanting to do, it's in that contract, and it's all being guided, and it's all coming into fruition. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like that is the difference between the Saw Rogers spot to last and this one. My mindset, and I feel like I'm kind of manif- manifesting everything I'm, I'm I'm putting out there now. You know, it's all, all coming to me. Knowing that you've got that 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 length of deal, it's not like a two fight deal or a one fight deal, where yeah. there's always that uncertainty of what happens next, what happens next. The fact you've got six, how much does that just allow you to almost take half a step back and go, right, okay, we've got some we've got some road in front of us now. This is this is the direction we want to take. And then you start planning planning the the next six months, twelve months, whatever it may be. Have you started to do that? Yeah, hundred percent. And and to kind of see that um to, to to see that amount of fights, I know they're going to be fighting me regular because it, it, it's it's in say, the contracts for twenty four months. So I know now, which has been another big problem for me is being inconsistent with the fights. So like now I'm with now I'm with a company who are going to um, 
who were going to fight these three times a year and be consistent. I feel like that's what's been missing from a game too, you know. A lot of people get behind me, a lot of people support me and things like that, but sometimes if I'm fighting once a year and not fighting for a year and a half, and then again, it's it's hard to kind of get that momentum going. So I feel like this is a step now where I can keep that momentum moving now and I, and I, and I can keep, keep it moving in the direction I want to be and, and stay in the eye and stay, and stay in people's minds and, you know, really put my name out there now. Yeah, and you know it's been it's, it's it's been a strange period of time. You know, you think think back to you know everything everything that went down with tough, and it feels like ever since then, all you've really needed is to be able to sort of put your feet on the floor and and, and know that you've got that that consistency, and you you've got that now with Bellator. You know, you've had you've had three fights under the Bellator banner, um, and uh, the fact that they put you in that tournament tells you obviously that you know that they. They rate you among the company's top top forty fivers. Now you've yeah. got you've got that win back. How do you see the next six to twelve months panning out? If you're if you're plotting your moves and 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 looking at how you want this all to pan out, what's your ideal scenario over the next six to twelve months? My ideal scenario now would be take two more fights. I'd like to fight early next year, maybe February, as soon as everything kicks back off over Christmas, um, and then. Next fight has to be someone like a contender, title contender, someone Bellator rate. If it's not this one, probably this, the the one after that, someone who Bellator rate very highly as as title title con, uh, like a, a title contender or someone who's up there with them accolades, beat that guy, and I feel like that that then I've it's fair I get a shot at that belt, you know. I mean. I, I, I believe I'm good enough to fight for the belt now, if I'm honest with you. But like anything, you've got to earn your stripes. Or I'm not coming coming in with any any sort of entitlement or anything like that. I mean, I did lose a, a close fight to Vital, but I've not been dominated like a lot of them guys. You know, I've seen a lot of them guys in the tournament getting dominated off guys nowhere near as experienced or nowhere near as the the level as Daniel Vital is. I've smashed my first fight. I've smashed this fight. I smashed a couple more fights, and I believe the the, the title shots well deserved in my opinion anyway is is the virtual fight one that you're particularly keen to get back at some point or are you are you sort of looking beyond that really and if you just happen to end up in there with him again then so be it yeah if i if i happen to enjoy um end up being back in there with him so be it it'll be a different scenario this time 100 percent. i'm not kind of chasing it or desperate for it i'm not losing any sleep or at night over it. I know the mistakes I made in that fight and I know where to rectify it. So if that's what, if our paths crossed again, I'm more than confident now that uh, 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 which way the fight's going to go. But as, as terms of chasing it, there's a million and ten other guys I know on, on, on that roster who were great fights for me too. So not even say, oh, I want to put who, who Bellator put in front of me. I, I basically want to fight the guys who are Bellator rating as contenders. And, and and then there's no doubt in people's minds that all right, yes, yeah, R. Rogers does deserve his shot. Yeah, now in a, in an ideal world, you'll be able to travel to wherever you want in the world and fight anybody from anywhere in the world. But we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? And travel restrictions are are a thing. Um, and uh, the Bellator roster right now is almost split in half because you've got the guys who are over there fighting in in uh, Mohegan Sun. There's there's an event tonight. We're recording this on the Thursday. Yeah. We've got Bellator 249 tonight. Um, And then you've got the guys who are fighting over in Europe or are able to get to Europe and fight. So if we work on the, on the sort of the, uh, the the sort of negative assumption that 
the US guys aren't necessarily going to be people that you can uh, take on in, in, in your next fight. If you're looking largely someone from the European side of things, who would... Who who are the names that you think would make sense in terms of advancing you in the direction that you want to go? Do you know what? I'm not even I've not even looked at the European side. That's something I really need to do, to be honest with you. Because my brain's always focused on the kind of the US guys because they're the ones with the most traction and they're the ones with who are making the most noise. That doesn't even mean they're they're, they're the best guys though. That actually doesn't so I, don't, I couldn't even give you many names, but that's probably something I'm going to do in my downtime at the minute now. I kind of study some of the European guys who are, are doing well in Bellator and, and, and see what's going to go on with that. But I wouldn't mind Bellator bringing a show to Manchester. They've never done one in Manchester. That would be, be unreal too. That would be that would be good. I mean, if, if, if you ha- obviously, not, I'm not asking you to break any confidences or anything, but I mean, is are there... Are there rumblings that they're going to be able to hold hold shows in the UK during all this lockdown? Because I mean, I know they're owned by Viacom, right? Which is a massive TV company. Whether they can even get studio space or whether there's the ability to hold in an arena. I mean, Cage Warriors have done it done it successfully, so they've kind of got the blueprint to do it. Um, but I mean, are there are there sort of rumblings that we could be seeing a UK show sooner rather than later? Do you know what? I've I've not heard any rumblings yet, but like you say, they're um, cage warriors have done it so there's absolutely no reason why it couldn't be done you know and if, if it's if it's going to be without a crowd it, it doesn't have to be these amazing massive arenas you know as long as it's somewhere that they can keep everyone safe and regulated and all that other kind of stuff it's i feel like there's there's a lot a lot of potential places and it might, might work out better because as, as, as far as like the cost effective side the cost effective side goes it's it's much it'd be much cheaper not having to Pay for one of these big massive arenas, you know, as long as you get the numbers and you get the fighters on there that are going to um, make people tune in and watch, it'll, I feel like it's a no-brainer. Yeah, no, it'd definitely be good to uh, to see something over in the UK. I mean, having stuff in Milan has been great. Having stuff in France has been great. That's something I haven't asked you. To be in there on, on such a historic night for the sport, not just for Bellator, but for the sport, this was the first major MMA event to be held since they legalised MMA in France. And, you know, you were the co-headliner and you picked up, well, basically you picked up the final finish of the night. Um, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, how, you know, when you sort of take a look at this, you know, your achievements that you've, you've got already in, in the career, and I know you've got a lot more planned for further down the line, but I mean, how does, how does, how does that show rank in terms of, in terms of your career to date? You know what? It's definitely up there. I feel. I think I was the only Brit to win a fight on the show as well. I think because you had. Um, I think there was Terry Brazier on there and um, Brian Scope. Uh, unfortunately, their, their fights didn't didn't go um, as, as as they'd liked. But, M- but MVP it, got his win, didn't he? But it wasn't. It wasn't oh win. shit! Yeah, yeah, you're right. Now, bastard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. MVP. MVP. It was going to be a Brit in that one, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Bar MVP, then fuck him. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it, it it was massive, you know. And, and as far as like ranking, so I, I can't kind of compare it to some of the other stuff I've done. But like this one is is, is going to be like a small part of history, you know, over in France especially. 
you're talking about the first major MMA event that's been been there. So even though I was only a small part of it, I'll, I'll be forever in that that kind of legacy and that history, which is yeah, it is. It's another accolade, another feather in my cap. So yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a big thing that sometimes I need to kind of take a step back. I feel like this is my problem. I feel like I've achieved quite a lot, um, not over my career, but. In my, in my eyes, it feels like I've, I've not done anything. So sometimes I feel like I need to kind of take a step back and give myself a bit of a pat on the back and be proud of, of where I'm at. I might, even though I'm not con- content with it as, as of yet, I need to still be proud and, and of what I've achieved up to now, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, maybe maybe the next one could be another landmark. You know, you mentioned Manchester. How much would it mean to be to be the headliner in Manchester? Oh, man, that would be a dream come true. And that's another thing that I'm trying to manifest, you know, like, like in the past when I've been thinking, oh, I handline this and do this, I'd have that little niggle in, in the back of my mind, you know, kind of putting me off. But I have no doubt in my mind that I'm more than good enough to headline in Manchester, you know, like, so that if, if Bellator come to Manchester, I'd love to, be, I'd love to be the headliner. I would love it. And I'd bring an army there a hundred percent. That would be a lot of fun. I mean, it would be great if if we were at a point where we could have a few fans in the building as well. I don't know who knows when this lockdown, all, all this business is going to calm itself down and it's going to be safe to hold stuff again. But yeah. I mean, the fact the fact that we're getting events um, and they're being held in 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 relative safety is is you know a huge plus for everybody involved in the sport, myself included. You know, it's keeping me employed. So, um, but it's uh, it would. It's it's good, but it's not the same without the fans there, and it'll be it'll be a, a great moment the next time we can get into an arena, especially over here in the UK where the fight fans are so passionate about the sport and uh, mm-hmm. can can roar on roar on all the local guys at a UK based MMA event. It'll be uh, it'll it'll be a big moment. Hundred percent, and I feel like it's a moment that's got to come as well. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's just one of those we've got to sit tight and uh, cross our fingers that things start to ease up a little bit. But, you know, with or without the fans, it looks like the events are going to keep coming, which is great news for you. It means you're going to be back in the cage either early next year or depending on if they draft you. If they drafted you in for like a December fight, would you be up for a bit of that? Do you know what? I, I was thinking that. I've got a few trips planned in December with my missus, a few, a few little um, holidays and stuff. But then in my mind, I've been thinking, if they give me the call for December, I might have to just fuck the holidays off and then jump straight on them fights you know like that's what I've actually been thinking yeah it's uh it's I mean you're in a good spot right now you've got you know you've got that you've got that second win in Bellator under your belt it's your first finish as a Bellator fighter as well so that's another little landmark and uh onwards and onwards and upwards from here and you know congratulations on the contract and uh really looking forward to see really looking forward to seeing what's uh What's next? So, just to clarify, we are back to Saul the Hangman Rogers, yeah? Yeah, back to the Hangman. Back to the finisher now. 100%. The, hang- the Hangman is back. The Hangman is back. Yeah, I like that. Great stuff. Saul, thanks so much for chatting to us. Nice one, mate. So, there we go. Saul Rogers there on a bit of a high, picking up a win in Paris, France, and then getting himself a bumper six-fight contract with Bellator MMA. Uh Things are looking up for the hangman and it'll be interesting to see uh, who he's matched up with next as he looks to work his way up that 145 pound ladder. Uh, That's all we've got time for on this bonus episode of the Brit Pack. You can follow me on Twitter at Simon Head. You can get me on Instagram at Simon Head Sport. 
Uh, Chamatkar Sandu, my sparring partner from over there in Toronto, Canada. You can get him on all platforms at Sandu MMA. Uh, don't forget you can subscribe to the Brit Pack at thebritpack.substack.com. Get on the uh, on the mailing list and don't miss a single episode. Every time we publish something, you will get an email telling you straight away that there is some new content from the Brit Pack for you to check out. So really would appreciate it if you signed up there. You can follow us on Twitter as well at the Brit Pack MMA. And obviously, if you're if you're an Apple Podcast subscriber, then uh, you can rate and review us. And uh, show us a little bit of love on there. That will help push us up those up those rankings and get us a little bit more exposure on those uh, Apple Podcasts lists. Uh, that's about all we've got for you on this little bonus episode. Myself and Sandy will be back for the usual weekly recording next week. Um, whether you're listening to this before or after the Bellator show, we've got UFC at the weekend as well. So check out the fights, have some fun, enjoy the weekend. And myself and Sandy will be back to chat to you next week.